Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. McLean Boyd is here. Jay Woodson is here. And I am here, Mr. Mike Maroney. Happy to have everyone with you guys. Uh, what's up, gents? What's Nothing, up? Nothing, man. No, another really day. Searching, really searching for that, Mike. I hear you. <laughs> well, I was getting ready to say how you're doing. And then I just, the last second audible, I had to change it because I don't yeah. want Jay's stupid answer there. <laughs> here we are here we are uh welcome back to all of our listeners hopefully you guys enjoyed uh riviera this past week always a good week on the pga tour but uh of course bef- before we get there what are you boys drinking actually i already know what mclean's drinking but go ahead 1792 single barrel good oh, stuff look at you i think i want to be like you guys so i mean I figured- how to start a collection you drink it till you have one glass left and you stop and then you just leave <laughs> and go buy another bottle then you've got a collection yeah i've got more bottles with some bourbon in it than i've ever had before right now <laughs> that's actually a good point i think you're i think that's the way to do it i think i probably do this i usually open every bottle that i buy unless it's something that I'm, it's a double or a, it's a collector's item typically i'll open them and i'll have a I'll, whoever I'm with, I'll share a pour, and then I usually kind of leave it, and then, you know, I don't get down to the last sip and then leave it. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like I'm gonna switch after this. This is my only. Well, I had one earlier, but this would be my last 1792 single barrel tonight. Probably hit some Buffalo Trace or some Redwood Empire. Have you guys tried the Redwood Empire yet? Listen to you, our boys growing up. This is so cool. This is so much better than the 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 cold and gold. And I'm in I'm in um I'm in Tennessee. Kentucky's part of my territory. I run the road awesome. up there. I drove through Bargetown the other day, and if it wasn't like four forty five and I had an eight hour, like eight hours of driving on the road, I was gonna stop. Because there's a ton of distilleries there in Bargetown. Yeah. 1792 being one of them, Bargetown Distillery, which I did have earlier this week. I had Delicious. the Bargetown Origin, um, yeah. not the not any like the crazy expensive bottles, but the Bargetown bottled in bond, um, and it was fantastic. Yeah, the, bar sounds high. Bar sounds good. I've got two or three bottles in there of the Discovery that are that are good. Yeah, and the, really I don't know which origin you have, but one of them is rated really, really high. On that app you sent, this one was a four point one. Yeah, yeah, what on the distiller app. Distiller. It was yeah, but it was the yeah the distiller app. But it was this was like a forty five dollar bottle. It wasn't like one of the seventy or eighty five dollar bottles. Y- yeah, no, it's is it a black label? Black um, label. That's exactly. Yeah, right. that 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 bottle is great. I mean, for it's like fifty bucks or something. At least in Virginia, it is like yeah. fifty dollar bottle, forty some dollar bottle, but rated pretty high. That's good. Yeah, I, I may get, get that. Yeah, fantastic. Big big fan of that. A buddy of mine came over, and uh, we well his we had his wife and one of uh, our friends was in town, and uh, we all did some tacos and drank some bourbon and. He and I put a big time dent in that bottle, uh, <laughs> but it was good. Jaybird, what are you drinking? I, I'm going with the cheap man's 1792 small batch. I'm not. Oh. I'm not on that level of the single barrel right now. Fuck off. 
right, I I didn't mean to let an F bomb slip this early, but don't no, patronize me. Don't patronize me. <laughs> I'm drinking uh Calumet 12. Oh, whoa, sorry. Uh, all right. Good, yeah. good for you. Are only you drink only lie. drink only drink my bourbon aged at least double digit in years. Yeah. Fine. Drop on the how am I getting bourbon shamed right now? <laughs> you're getting it's bourbon shamed. Old elk last week. You're like, I don't know. It's like I, I don't even know how much this is. Yeah, no shit. When you got seventy five bottles, you kind of lose track. Yeah, there you go again. Right, right. Thank you. Thank <laughs> All right, I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about my bourbon from now on. I'll let you guys handle uh-huh. the segment. You guys are the heavy lifting. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, when you have so much bourbon that you can't keep up with it, I mean, yeah, don't even know how much any of this costs. I've just got it. (laughs) Yeah. What's what's the cheapest bourbon out there? That's what I'll drink next week. Uh, Hold on. On that subject, on that subject, I've seen some things saying that some of the benchmark is solid, like the top floor and the uh, benchmark eight is awesome. Yeah. And it's like $20 a bottle. Good. It's a Buffalo Trace bottle. We know that. Um, but I saw a couple of benchmarks. I saw one. Uh, they had all four of them at my local spot. They had the foolproof, the um, top floor. I don't know which ones are best, but I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, wait a second. Are we on to something here? I mean, I think it's a great, like, like low, I shouldn't say lower end, but uh, uh, I mean, mid to it's bottom shelf. That's not, it tastes good. And you can, you can, if somebody comes to the house and you, they would want to mix it with something, you don't feel as bad about handing it to them and you know, it's still going to take, be good. They're going to enjoy it, but you're not giving them, you know, any high end, you know, a hundred dollar bottle of bourbon that they mix with Coke or ginger ale. So like, that's whatever, like the worst. <laughs> whatever we have people over, we have like a little, um, it's not a wet bar because there's no sink, but there's like a little tiny nook in our kitchen where we have a little like beverage fridge and we kind of use it as our bar area when we have friends over. I will always set out a couple bottles of bourbon when I have friends over, but I strategically pick which ones I like. Dude, you guys aren't you guys aren't getting into all my good shit every time. Like just sorry. every time you come over. <laughs> See, so now now everyone who's listening know that you're being judged by what bottles that Mike pulls out, how much he values your friendship and how much he likes you. Look at what bottles he pulls out and now, immediately it's, understand. It's usually how easy can I get it? If it, when that bottle You'll goes know what kind of friend you are. You'll know what kind of friend you are, Mike. Mike, also understand that the next time I'm lucky enough to come over to your house, I will bypass whatever bottles you have pulled out immediately. <laughs> That's fine. You, you, you make it back to straight to the barrel. You make it back to Richmond. I live right down the road from Red Salt, buddy. So I'm not far away. You can Save return less. a return a steak there. We'll, after that, we'll head back to my house and we'll have a. Well, it would have never gotten returned if it was cooked right. Let's just call that what it is. <laughs> call a spade a spade here. Goodness. <laughs> All right, let's get into some golf, huh? No, we can turn this into a bourbon podcast, which uh, you know could be fun as well. Let's uh, let's talk a little golf. We had again Riviera this week, signature event, one of the premier courses on tour, and Hideki Matsuyama with a ridiculous round on Sunday, sixty-two starts the day six back and wins going away, wins by three. So, 
Yeah, real fast. Did you see his quote afterwards? He said it felt like a three over round. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, Hideki. That something got fucked up in translation there. That can't be what you said. We were on a group uh, group chat with some buddies, and one of our buddies, Chris Paquette, said, "Learn English, buddy. You, you know that." Yeah. <laughs> and I hate to say that I'm not I'm not poking fun, but in a in a roundabout way, it's like you're good enough now, Hideki, where you know what you're saying is right or not right. You know whether you t- speak the language fully. Don't say that you think it was a you felt like you were playing a three over round, and then like come on, you you get it. Amanda Balionis or Amanda Renner, whatever whatever her last name is now, was like, wait, what? You're talking, you're talking about today's round? <laughs> you must have the course record, and you're talking about today's round. <laughs> the guy, the guy is a stud without question. I mean, he's been on tour now for over ten years. His first win was ten years ago at the Memorial, and he's had three wins in the 2016 2017 uh, season. The thing that I'm looking at here and looking at some of the stats, he's never won a bad golf tournament. Like he's yeah, he wins good golf courses. He won the Memorial Waste Management, two WGCs in 2016, W uh 2017, won the waste management again, the Masters, the Zozo, the Sony, and the Genesis. Like he only lifts quality trophies without question. Um, he also only, only plays in the quality events too, which probably well, increases the chances. But you're right; he he wins better events. The other thing I'm looking at here, the guys made 212 out of 250 cuts. That's impressive. impressive. That's really impressive. Bad. That is impressive. That's a good percentage. <laughs> Did you see the stat? Four of his nine birdies were inside of 18 inches. Yeah, because he was chipping on a lot of the par fours and par fives. Like he got up and down on, it was I think it was four or five par four slash par fives. Are there three par fives there, and then yeah. a, a, then another par four. I think all of them were he he chipped them up close or in. Like he was number well, he, one he in strokes, those, strokes gain around the greens. So yeah, he did have those two irons, fifteen and sixteen. He hit, um. What eight inches, six inches, two kick-ins. That helps. Th- three feet on seventeen. Um. Yeah, he chipped up close on eleven, but yeah, he had just just tappings that even Scotty Scheffler could make. Maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to him in a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it's good to see Hideki kind of rounding into form. You know, he had a bunch of. Well, he had a neck issue for a while, a back issue for a while. He had WD'd from a couple of events in the last, you know, 18 months or so. So it seems like he's healthy now and regaining form, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, his putting seems to be a little bit better. He's had some goofy setups and toe way up in the air, and he's just a little more conventional now. But, yeah, man, the guy just can flush it. And it's uh, when he's on, he is hitting it to kick in range like it is no he's a ball striker yeah it's just pure pure ball striker and so it's it's good to see um yeah the guys he's pretty all around i mean around the green he's fantastic um putting is where he struggles but ultimately he's one of those guys that a couple times a year he puts well and he's either hoisting a trophy or making a bunch of money yeah no, you're right. 
And he's one handing it all the way to the. I mean, he even had a couple one handed finishes even yesterday. It, it shooting in the, you know, non under round, he was still, he still had two shots that I remember seeing where he dropped the club and it was like, you know, pointing one way. And I was like, oh, it, off, just off the fairway. And he still hit some good shots yeah. coming in, you know. Yeah, crazy. he does that I mean, a lot where you're like, oh my God, he just shanked it. And oh, yeah. No, and it's like eight feet. five yards off the fairway. Oh, okay. Well, I will say, and all of us know this, the best golfers in the world miss better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, we've, and we've all hit those shots. We've all hit those ones that come off a group thin. They feel awful at impact, but they're online because everything else is online. It ends up being 10, 15 feet from the flag, and you just get lucky. I mean, what was it? Ben Hogan said he, you hit three good golf shots around. Um, yeah, three perfect he, shots. Three perfect yeah. shots around. And... You know, Hideki, I think a great example of that. You know, he does that extremely well. Um, he obviously has a little bit of a dramatic flair for some of his slight misses compared to some others. Um, well, I think he's he's so good at ball striking and he's so precise. He knows what he's trying to do or what the feeling is. And he knows if he's a, a groove high, groove low, boy, <laughs> two millimeters towards the heel or, heel or the toe. So he knows he might have mishit it. And we've all hit yeah. mishit shots that wind up pretty damn good. And I think he just knows, like, ah, damn, I did mishit that. And he gets mad at himself almost because he just is expecting so if you could if you could if you could pick one player who you feel is the opposite of Hideki, who's the first player that comes to your head? Opposite in terms of Opposite in terms of like he 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 reacts so much and like even though he's still hitting good shots, um, it, it feels bad for him and he's dropping the club and it's very dramatic. But the result is still good. Who is somebody who's completely opposite of that, where they look every swing looks beautiful and perfect, but it doesn't always go exactly where they wanted to go. Tiger Woods. I mean, may, may, yeah, I, no, I you don't you don't I, see Tiger. Said, Woods. I, I was gonna say, unless it's a really awful golf shot, like when he, he hits up that, it's off the map. Like he doesn't yeah. drop a club for a ten footer. He, I mean, yeah, he he will he will be a little bit more dramatic. I was gonna say Rory, like every swing Rory makes, they're like, oh, that looks good, and then he misses the green by like thirty yards. Like, what? You didn't even. There's no reaction. Like yeah, it was nothing. Fair. It was like perfectly holding and posing, and you're like, he just misses the green by like. 10 yards like what what just happened he's like yeah, the he fin- complete opposite bal- of balanced and it's yeah like a- it looks beautiful every swing looks perfect and it's like i mean granted we all miss shots but like if we all miss shots we at least like oh god that sucks but I mean, you can't tell with him like he'll hold the finish and pose and he's looking at it staring it down i'm like what are you staring at you just missed the green by you know 15 yards you know and sometimes jay you can one hand it and the ball goes in i mean you can do that sometimes, especially when you have a match when someone's giving you shots. But you know, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, sensitive subject. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Mikey, Mikey pitched in for Eagle uh, this past weekend for, uh, and then for the, on the 16th hole, and then hit it to a would you hit it to a foot on 17? Yeah, or something like that. Well, the, well, the, the pitching was like 65 yards, and yeah. I just caught it a groove or two low, a little thin. And it, I hit it, and I was like, ah, 
And then I was like, oh, wait, where this flag is, this might chase up there all right. And sure enough, kind of a couple hops and a skid and then just like it hit a, took a right-hand turn right in the hole. Jay loved it. Made his day. I was really excited for you. I was happy. Really, you deserved it. You really deserved, deserved that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, back to Hideki here, a real ball striker. Um, I would, I know there's the whole culture and, you know, he, he doesn't really speak English or he chooses not to, or I don't know what, I, I know I have some people have said that he just wants to use a translator because he's not perfect at the, at the language and wants to be perfect at it or whatever. And he's just not comfortable. And and so be it. And we've talked that he kind of lose his what his personality is. I think he's got a pretty cool personality. He always seems to be kind of jovial with his caddy. His caddy is allegedly a riot. Apparently, um, everyone says he's pretty funny, but I, yeah, I, we can't, it's hard for us to tell, you know. So I I do enjoy watching him hit the ball. So I hope he's back in contention more, and we can see him a little bit more. I think he's a good star for the game, a global star uh, for the game. He's definitely someone that could have made. A just shit ton of money going to live. And he obviously chose yeah. to stay for a reason. And we don't know what that reason is because no one ever talks to him, uh, maybe because of the language barrier. But wouldn't surprise me again, not to get down the political road, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if there was something there that, you know, his country said, don't do this. Don't be a part of this. We'll okay. help you. We'll pay you. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I, I it, it obviously made sense for made sense for him not to do it. I'm glad he I'm glad he's doing what he's doing. He's fun to watch. I I, I, have, I enjoy watching Hideki. And they, I mean, maybe he doesn't need the money. Maybe you know because yeah. he is so big in Japan already. That's what and I mean. They say he's going to be like a billionaire in Japan because everyone just goes nuts for him over there. He's just a megastar. So he maybe he's like, I don't I don't need this. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this. He's his well, his brain is more valuable of him with him playing in all the majors, all the the yeah. bigger events, and he's he's going to be more more popular doing that than he is just taking a quick money grab and going to and live waste waste away on live. Yeah, <laughs> they said he was one of the guys that was going to get paid the most because of his um, international status. All internationally, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, um. Let's get to a couple other guys. So here's a great thing about this pod this week. There was like no off course news, at least of note that we need to discuss. This is going to be like a strictly golf podcast and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to enjoy it. There's going to be no drama, no bullshit. Just yeah. talking golf. I mean, tired. I'm in bullshit. The so drama a little bit. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, that's, but that's not like live versus PGA Hold tour. On. Yeah. Who's getting XD or all this bullshit. Look here. Drama is what sells. Look <laughs> at reality TV. The real housewives aren't on TV for multiple seasons because they just live. No, they have drama. We need it. It's good. On occasion. And it's also just nice to just talk. Be golf nerds and talk golf occasionally too. Yeah, that pays well. <laughs> so let's talk. Tell me if I'm wrong on what I just did earlier tonight. I was in the car waiting for my daughter uh, to come out of the dance studio. Went on the DraftKings sportsbook app. 
and I placed three $20 wagers on Will Zalatoris to win the Masters PJ Championship in U.S. Open. I think Will Zalatoris wins a major this year. Am I crazy? The guy who I've bashed for years on his putting, am I crazy? No, I don't, no, I don't think crazy. so. Um, what he did this week with the long putter um, showed me that he's back and he's available. Um, I I am somewhat surprised to see how well he rolls it, but my God, does that stroke look better? And it seems like he figured it out. I can only relate this to a time when I was playing while this is a long time ago, but I switched to the belly putter. And the funny thing about it is that I never really enjoyed practicing putting, but when I switched to the belly putter, all of a sudden I started enjoying it because it was something new and I dug into it and I was like, all right, this is cool. I made a couple of putts early that I don't normally make. And it's like, all right, I got some, I'm going to start working on this. I'm going to start working on this more. This now became a fun part of my game to work on because I'm doing it very well. I'm doing it at a much higher level than I had traditionally done it. So, or historically done it. So this may be a similar scenario for him to where he, I mean, there's no chance will ever thought previously that he was a good putter and he enjoyed putting. He probably didn't like doing it because it was, he got scrutiny for it. He knew how bad a stroke is. I mean, my God, you can't, you can't, watch any golf media and not see how bad some of these strokes were. I mean, they're zooming in on it and it was all over the place, but now he's got something where he's doing something different. It's new to him. It's fun to him. He knows he has to practice it because it's new to him. So he's trying to get the feel for it. It seems like he's obviously got the feel for it. Um, I heard the greens were running faster than they almost ever have been at Riv and he was making putts and they look good. The stroke looked good. Now it's giving him this newfound confidence. Now he wants to work on it. Now he, he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. And obviously the scores show, um, from what he did. And I mean, I think, I think we got to watch out for him. If he keeps putting like this, buddy, he he's going to be a trophy hoister, uh, multiple times this year. What, yeah, what did mean, he, what did gotten- he, what did he do with it to change from what he was doing before he had back surgery? What he changed, I mean, putting or was his well, yeah striking? putting but yeah putting ball striking. I know that he made some adjustments to to not have so much side bend and put so much stress on his back. But what did he do putting wise? I mean, I didn't really. I mean, other than the stroke looked better, I didn't notice anything different. Least, but well, with I a broomstick. broomstick. Yeah, I mean, wasn't he using that before though? No, he was arm lock. Oh, he was using arm lock. Okay, yeah. so I, okay, he had some putter that wasn't conventional. I knew that. So yeah, he yeah. went to the he went to the broomstick. So yeah, that's that's that makes a big difference. <laughs> you know, when they zoom in to watch, they don't watch they don't zoom in on him. They just zoom in on the putter head, so you can see if it's getting stuck on the ground or not. So the few putts I watched, I just saw the putter. I was like, oh, it went back and through. It looks good. <laughs> it's he still hits it a little out off the toe, not nearly as far as he did. It's not nearly as of as much of a figure eight stroke as he did before. So. You know, I mean, he gained over two strokes this past weekend on on the field, like two point two, I think it was. Finished That's better than the, in the field, better than the best player in the world. Yeah, and so his his results are getting better and better. So he had that just abysmal performance um, at the Hero, hmm. and then missed the cut at Sony. T thirty four at the Amex, T thirteen at the Farmers Insurance, and T two. At the Genesis, so just getting better and better and better every week he's played. So I think one, it's 
just getting the reps and dusting the rust off. I think one is probably he's trusting his back. You know, yeah. you have a surgery like that on a massively sensitive part for a golfer that could end your career. I think there's definitely some trepidation. Like, is is it healed? Sure. Is it ready? Is it going to, you know? So once you get over that hurdle, he's like, oh, yeah, I can do this again. Yeah. I, I like I like Will. I obviously picked him this past week um, in our DraftKings, and I he was trending. I, I looked at all the exact same things that you just mentioned, Mike. I mean, I didn't know he'd finished second, but. Um, uh, to, to our listeners, listen, listen to our picks, guys, to our listeners. I had, we had a lot of good picks. Then, Luke List, Will Zalatoris. Yeah, Jay had Cantley, Luke List, and Zalatoris. So, you know, just listen to us. Okay. So yeah, we, know, we know what we're doing. We know, we know it all. Every week. We know, we know it all. Just wait till we get to the Mexico Open picks. We'll see how <laughs> spot on we are with those things. Uh, look, That's uh, going to be a tough one. Something I did need to mention. I am off the Patrick Cantlay train. <laughs> done with the guy. Well, nothing to do with him. I watched him walk by 50 kids all sitting there wanting to get autographs, and he wouldn't even look at them, just walked right past them. And I'm just sitting there going, man, I understood that a lot of other people didn't like you, but I always I thought you were a good dude. I, I, I like watching you play golf. Um, no, well, nothing to do with the guy. Um, it, it's an absolute detriment to the youth of golf when you walk by 50 of those kids sitting there holding something just to sign something take a minute and sign it you're making a shit ton of money doing this don't be a bag of dicks take a minute <laughs> sign he a did he drafts. did he they did i saw the report that he had a 100 101 degree fever going into sunday uh, yeah just, something was going something was going around because yeah. we'll get the tiger in a little bit um, we'll get the speed in a little bit. It sounds like speed was sick as well. So something, I don't know if it was food poisoning or just flu going through the locker room, but yeah, there were reports that he had a hundred degree fever Sunday morning. So I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it, but yeah, I don't blame you for your thought. He's a, just a tough guy to root for. He's yeah, definitely, no. yeah, he's definitely done that to himself here. Uh, you know, I don't know, especially with the, the, the Ryder cup and, and all the, the, hoopla that surrounded him and and him with the no hat and wanting to get paid not really being part of the team and making things difficult it makes it hard to to root for somebody like that and then no, like you said mclean situations like that where you're you're passing up on on kids that are there they spend a lot of money on tickets to come watch you know watch you play um that that's i remember as a kid i, the, I was a, a huge don mattingly fan got to be one of your favorites mikey uh donny baseball was the man and uh i went to spring training in 1993 or i think it was 93 92 or 93 and we went down and i watched we watched you know all the guys and we went to i guess they're in fort lauderdale so i went to we went to fort lauderdale watched him do spring training and then i stood by the the ropes there waiting for them to get on the bus and i was the last kid on the rope all he was coming all the way in. He signed all these balls, all these pictures, all these photographs. And I had a ball as the last kid. I was a 12 year old kid. And I was like sitting there at the end. And he stopped right at me and looked at me and then went, got on the bus. And I'm like, fucking asshole. Damn you. I was like, damn asshole. you, Donnie Baseball. Like, I don't know if I want to root for you anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, th- those those things make a difference. I mean, again, at you least know, you he signed some. 
At least he, he signed did. some. He did sign some, just not just not my ball, but which is okay. Which it is what it is. I don't I don't hate the guy, but I did did hate him for about a year or two. But um, but you're We're right. All it's the like, posters. Yeah, I just ripped them all down. I burned them. I got a little burn party in the backyard. Took all the memorabilia. Had his rookie card and everything. Lit it up. See ya. Fantastic. See ya. But no, you're right. I mean, it, and again, you can't sign every single autograph though. So that's the thing. Like if you, like there's a thousand kids there. If you're that popular, you can't sign all of them. But you, you're right. You do sign some, you know, and you make the effort. And and if you're lucky enough to get on the front of the ropes and get an autograph, then that's great. And you'll and you'll see guys or hear guys sometimes they'll say, you'll hear it a lot with Spieth actually. He's like, hey guys, I, I got to go. I'll be right back. Stay here. Hang hang tight, and I'll come back and get you. And he'll go sign a scorecard, maybe. And uh, <laughs> too soon. You know, he'll sign it. It just may not he'll be sign the, it. the, yeah, the right, count the right it. number. He'll get back to them too quick. But, you know, so it, it could have been something like that. But, again, just Patrick Cantlay is one of those guys where he has he has lost the benefit of the doubt, right? When, when it comes to some sort of rules and fractions with Patrick Reed, he's lost the benefit of the doubt. As it comes to being a Knights guy, Patrick Cantlay has lost the benefit of the doubt because of all the stuff that's then has come out and um yeah, and, and slow play, it doesn't help, and all you know, all that kind of stuff just kind of adds to you know yeah. the, the fuel, the fire of people just not liking them for various reasons. And so, you know, like Xander, on the other hand, he gets a little harder root for because he's just so like there's nothing going on. Like, hey, Xander, you there? Hello. No emotion, I actually yeah. think I actually think Xander's kind of a cool dude. And from like some of the interviews I've heard, like podcast interviews, not like press conferences, but like kind of a more relaxed podcast interview or something like that. He actually seems to be like has a little bit more of a personality than Cantley and a little funnier. Um, but then he's Cantley's best friend, so that's a negative on him, right? So you know, or who you hang out with, right? Yeah. So I don't know, but both of them were you know massively disappointing on Sunday. You, you talk about a season so far that's had a lot of long shots win, not big names win. You know, Wyndham Clark, yeah, has top 10 player, but not a household name top 10 player, right? You're like, okay, are we going to get a top 10 duel here between best friends, battle on Sunday, signature event, one of the iconic courses on tour, and before you know it, you think Luke List is going to run away with the tournament. Yeah. Sure did look like that way after the the first what four or five holes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Those those two guys are both just slightly disappointing and let down in their careers. I think they're obviously very, very they're perennial top ten, you know, really they're both of them are like perennial top six players in the world. But they don't win majors. And you're always just feeling us. Uh, I feel like he should just be a little bit more successful than he is. With both guys, kind of had that same. That's that. That's that clutch factor we talked about. How do we? How do we grade? Uh, how clutch they are, and there's no way to put your finger on it, but there's something there that 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 is not allowing them. And maybe it's internal. Uh, I don't know, but something is holding them back from from doing. Great things and winning these big tournaments. Um, and I should, I mean, Cantley's won some some playoff events. He won the he won the FedEx Cup. Um, yeah. So I mean, he's 
you know, it's not like he's not winning any tournaments. He's not winning any majors, you know, and, and this certainly didn't help him. All right. So sorry about that. A little technical difficulties as my computer just decided to crash momentarily. Um, uh, we were talking Patrick Cantley. Oh, last thing I wanted to say is I used to, Jay, you had mentioned when he won the FedEx Cup, I used to l- kind of like him then. Like when he had that little tear and he had that, um, playoff victory over Bryson. If you beat Bryson back, you know, you're good in my book. And he, he was hitting some amazing shots and it was exciting. And I kind of liked them back then, but you know, it's amazing what can happen in just a couple of years. And you, you get a little bit more of a, you become more of a prominent figure in the game. And we learn who you are a little bit more. Sometimes it's not always a good thing. <laughs> not always a good thing. It's almost better the less we knew about him. I think it started, they started to make, you know, kind of maybe shed his his personality uh, personality a little bit more. I think people are like, oh, I don't know if I like that personality or not. And some do. Some like that's kind of steely, you know, non-responsive, no personality kind of way to be. I don't know. I mean, it it there there it's advantageous sometimes on the golf course to like oh absolutely be somewhat numb and be immune to that. And like, I'm not here to to talk and chat. I'm here to win golf tournaments and win money. And so. And I think um, more guys are like that more and more guys are getting like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I think a lot of that all stemmed from tiger I, when he was in his heyday 20 years ago. And it was like, you couldn't touch him. You couldn't talk to him. And I always, it was so weird. Like the, the people that would say they were intimidated by him. I'm like, I mean, I, I get it, but it's not like he's like an intimidating figure in terms of stature. It's not like he's, I mean, Ernie Els should not say he's intimidated by Tiger Woods. Like that thing that just blew my mind. Like you're, you, that guy is massive. Like, I mean, and I understand it's not, there's, they're not like lining up head to head and, you know, like tackling each other, but it's still, it's just like, I mean, I, I don't know the word, the, that word maybe means something different to me than it means to other people, but it's like. You just go out there, like what, what, you play your game. Like if he beats you, he beats you, whatever. I mean, and, and Ernie competed the competed really well against Tiger in a lot of ways and a lot of tournaments, Presidents Cup, and was that South Africa? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know, yeah, uh, but it, that he kind of started that whole trend of like the super steely persona where you can't talk to me while we're playing. And I think Tiger, obviously, in the last ten years, has softened that quite a bit given the circumstances, but. Early in his career, I mean, he wasn't the most fun to play with. One, he he wasn't very talkative. Two, you were going to have a shit ton of people following you, moving while you were hitting. As soon as Tiger was done, they were on to the next hole. So, like, you, it was tough conditions for the other guy playing with Tiger. It was not not fun. Not fun. Um, so, yeah, yeah, but but Cantley kind of and, and along with a lot of other guys, you're right, Mikey. They've kind of kind of taken on that. We're like, well, that's what worked for Tiger. Then it's got to work for me. Yeah, and I don't know if if even golf psychology has played a golf psychologist has played a factor in that. You know, um, don't have any ups, don't have any downs. Just kind of take one shot at a time. Kind of mantra that's been around for a while. With, with and I, and I I believe in and buy a lot of what the golf psychologists say, but there's a little bit of that kind of you know desensitizing the players a little bit yeah yeah i mean then you look back there's different ways to 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 do that to trick your mind and to keep your mind occupied 
I mean, the biggest thing is, it, it, like I said, is to keep your keep your mind focused, um, not on the you know, in between shots. It's like keep your mind focused in a way that it's not so overstimulated on the situation. And you overanalyze it. You're looking. You're looking. You're calculating. It's like, hey, let me just turn and shoot the shit with my playing partner just to keep my keep myself relaxed. And and then, oh, it's my turn to hit. Okay, what? Oh, the, the pin's right there. Great, I'll hit it right there. Go and just react. And the, as you're walking up the fairway, you're just analyzing the situation. Um, and sometimes that's too much. And you know, you see some guys like Ali Trevino who they go the exact opposite. Like, man, I can't stop talking. You know, if I'm talking a lot, that means I'm nervous because I'm trying to deflect. If I'm not talking, that means I don't care um, for, for Lee. And so there's a lot of guys who who probably have that personality, but it's been it's it's shunned, I think, a little bit more that that kind of jovial uh, personality where they're really engaging, you know, with the fans, with the other players. You don't see a whole lot of that anymore. I mean, you got people like Kevin Kisner who were who was like that, and now he doesn't play anymore, and he's just doing it on on air. TV. Um, but one of my favorite Trevino lines. I, I don't know if I've told you or you've probably heard this story. I think he was playing with Jack in like a final round of the U.S. Open or something. Proud the snake. No, they're walking out the first tee, and Trevino's talking and talking, and Jack looks at him. He goes, "Lee, I really, I really don't feel like talking today." Lee's like, you don't have to talk. You just have to listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> well, you're not going to shut me up, Jack. I'm going to keep yeah. doing my thing. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> I mean, that t- that took balls because Jack was the man back then. Yeah. Like, you know, but it was a little, it was a different kind of, you know, Jack didn't, he did get off, give off that persona, but not like the, not like t- the Tiger Woods persona. You know, it was a little different. He he was a little bit more accommodating. I mean, he was a little bit more gracious, especially at the end of tournaments. You know, if he was losing, he would walk up the fairway, you know, shaking hands with the guy who's getting ready to beat him. You would not see Tiger doing that if he's walking up the fairway knowing he's going to lose. I mean, he's not talking to anybody, especially not talking to his playing playing partner that's getting ready to beat him. Um, so that was a different. It was a different kind of different game back then. All right, let's. Let's get to Scotty. We do this every week or every week he plays. It's the same story. Let's look at finish T10. Let me pull up his stats for the week here. Uh, strokes gained off the T. Ninth. Strokes gained approach the green. 33rd. This is this week. Strokes gained around the green. First. Gained seven strokes on the field around the green. Seven. Strokes gained total T10. Where we finish. Um, strokes gained T to green. Second. Strokes gained putting. 51st. That's out of 51 players that made the cut. It's the same Bad. story. Every week, Scotty, please change something. Change the putter. Give me a broomstick. Give me a a, a counterbalance. Give me an arm lock. Give me left hand low. Give me a claw. Give me a mallet. Dude, try something. Put left handed. Anything. Put left handed. Put with a fucking cue stick. I don't care. Do something different. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's tough to watch. Um, yeah, I can't. I couldn't agree more. It, it, not only that, but I picked him the last couple of weeks, and him playing putting so poorly really burned me in a lot of ways. So I'm I'm a little bitter, but that's why I'm bitter at Cameron. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He just. I mean, yeah. He just needs to. The the changes that he made with is it who it was a Kenyan. Yeah, Phil Kenyon. Phil Kenyon. Like, I, I I understand that they were trying to make some minor changes that would make a difference, but I think the changes that they made were too minor, and it's still too easy to revert back to the old tendencies. And we, he's still hitting balls way off the heel. He's still missing balls right. Um, So whatever you, things that you worked on, I mean, it, it's just like a full swing. You know, you have a – you work on – Say you work on something with a teacher and and you hit a you hit like to hit a little cut and your miss is a big cut and you're like, okay, that's not good. I want to make I want to hit, you know, I want to hit the ball better. But then all of a sudden the teacher gets you to hit a little draw. And when you're hitting it good, you're flushing it. But then when you're off, you're hitting a big sweeping hook and then a big block cut. And you're like, wait a second. My goods are my good shots are good, but my bad shots are too bad. Like I'm still not any better. So it's just like that with with putting. I mean, no, it's very small, small sample size, but like we all have misses with our putters, and you've got to know what miss you can tolerate and what what misses still help you, you know, almost kind of still make those short putts. And I think his miss right now is too extreme. Like that putt is really far off the heel and he misses it really far to the right. Like they gotta come up with something better to make his misses better because his miss, he doesn't have to be the best putter in the world. He just, I don't know if he just needs to find a putter or a style that helps him hit the center of the face more often than not. Cause I don't think, I mean, granted, I haven't, I haven't watched his stroke on like a sand putt lab or anything like that, but I would imagine it's, it's not as much of the face not being square, which as we know, that's really the most important part of it. But for a putter of his stature, if you're mishitting the putt putts that much, that far off, off the center, now you now you start missing those six to ten footers that you probably would make if you if he, if he would have hit hit them in the center of the face. I think again, I don't know for sure if it's if it's a uh, if 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 he's the face is being left open. I'm sure a little bit, but some of these putts are hit way off the heel for a good a good player, and and I'm not like somebody like Zalatoris. I mean, the stroke's better than that, but yeah, enough to where he's not making these putts and missing them just enough. It's mind-boggling that someone can just flush a three iron and can't find the center of the club face with a putter. Hmm. And it's just mind-boggling to me. But and and there is he's he's he drags the handle through mm-hmm. a little bit and it and it comes up and, and kind of I don't I don't know. It's just do something. You know, even Different. even Rory called him out on the telecast. You know, he sat he's there for a little while 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 play was going on and kind of did a lengthy interview and the, was was in the booth and even said, "I think you, I think Scott needs to try a mallet." Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you didn't really hear these guys comment that much on this stuff. You know what I mean? Like they almost never especially said it's especially coming from Rory, who is, is not putting that great either. <laughs> No, but he was like, "Hey, a mallet!" Like he goes, "A mallet helped me, changed me." He goes, "I." He goes, "He goes, I've had my fair share of putting struggles over the years, and 
you know, Roy will bounce around between different mallets, but he's been on, on a mallet kick now for a long, long time. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm almost, I, th- I think I'd almost, I'd almost put, and correct me if I'm wrong here, McLean, I, I'd almost put him in like a counterbalance. Just to, to kind of, I like that. Yeah, no, get, I don't. I don't. I I think there's some merit there, without question. I mean, get that sense of a of an of an anchor there with the handle it, and the and the hands well, traveling. Quiet the, the handle. Of the quiet the hand. Here, here's the one thing I would say: put him in a big ass grip. Go ahead and put some size between him and that shaft. Let's let's remove the hand somewhat from that situation, and it can be done so with a larger grip and counterbalance. I think you're you're dead on, Mike. I don't think what you're saying is off base at all. I think the style of putter that he has, he obviously prefers to look at a blade. And you can, with modern technology, what we have now, and especially who he has making his putters, he's one of the best putter makers on planet Earth right this second. You could easily make him a slightly larger mallet, something that has a little bit more weight to it, something that you could get in there at 38 inches, have him choke down a hair, counterbalance the grip, have him in something that has additional uh additional size to it something a little girthier for lack of a better term um but to where all of a sudden now his hands are being taken out of the equation just a hair you know it's it's tough because he's he's fantastic in so many aspects and now we've put such a hammer on this and now the golfing public has put such a hammer on this that it's like all right, let's throw something different in there. You like looking at a blade? Let's make you a blade. Let's make something that works with what we have in modern technology and the ability to make putters, I think, ultimately. And and let's let's also look at it this way. We know that guys are thinking about this, and they're trying to put stuff in his hands. Logan Olson's probably in the workshop right now. Working on it. Crafting something to put into his hands. But my feeling, quite frankly, if I'm being honest with you, Scotty wants to putt with a blade. He wants to putt with a a small grip, what he's putted with for so long. And quite frankly, he's been so successful with it that it's tougher. He's like, dude, I'm number one in the world. I don't need to make a bunch of changes. I want to get a little bit better, but I don't need to reinvent the wheel. So he's probably a little, a little bit, uh, he he just want to do it. So he's cautious. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it even, he, he has had a fair amount of success early in his career. You know, if you go back, not last year, not this year, but the year before, 2020, 2022, sorry, 2021, 2022, he finished that year 58th in putting, gaining 0.2. That's that's what he needs, you know? Yeah, I mean, I remember watching him putt early on. I mean, it, it's not a bad-looking stroke. I mean, I don't remember him being up until, like, then up in probably the last year and a half, I don't remember him being like a terrible putter. I mean, it was nothing spectacular. You weren't watching Scotty for his putting. You were watching to see how much his feet moved with his driver and see how close he was going to hit his irons. But uh, and now we were like, oh, now we're watching to see if he's going to make a four footer. But but back then, I mean, he I mean, he putted fine. Like he made the short putts, and you know, he'd make a couple long ones, and he'd get hot. But it's almost like his ball striking has gotten his ball striking has gotten better. And now his putting has gotten, you know, progressively worse. And so here we are, we're on this upward trend in terms of ball striking, but the putting is going back the other way, which we all know the ball striking still is the king and giving the stats. We we also have to look at one thing. Scotty Scheffler 
has more putting opportunities, more birdie putts than anyone else on tour. The guy's number one in greens and regulation. He hits 80% of greens and regulation. So it's very easy to get wrapped up in his putting stats, but not take into account that a lot of these guys that have great putting stats are hitting 12 greens around, where this guy's hitting 16, 15 to 16 greens around. So he's having more opportunities to putt. So yeah, when you do that, that, it's tough to convert as many putts as other guys. So I we think that's where the that, look at that. That's where the I mean it's a good point. It's a good point. But I think that's where the strokes gain kind of negates that. Whereas the old stats were, you know, putts for green regulation, you know, putts total for the round. So you would look at somebody like that and be like, oh, you know, I'm not putting great with the old stats, but you know, uh, because that's all that we had to go on. But now we've got the the strokes gain and it essentially can kind of gauge you off of the the distance you are from the hole, regardless. It can tell you know, whether you're making putts or not making putts, it can it can tell you whether you're gaining strokes on the field. So, um, but I think from a psychology standpoint, you're right. Like other players don't have as many, you know, five to 10 footers. So while the strokes, you know, or the strokes gain stat may say that someone else is putting better, but are they making a, a seven footer for par and where he's put has a seven footer for birdie and that's kind of a mental block for him. Um, and he sees himself miss them. This is the most frustrated, frustrating, frustrated I've seen him in the past. I'd say the past this year. I'd say the, the, these however many tournaments he's played was he played three or four tournaments this year. This is the most frustrated I've seen him coming off greens where he's missed a couple little putts. I've seen him slam his hand into, you know, into the side of a bleacher or stands, grandstands. I mean, you never see him do that. Like you can tell, it's definitely getting to him. That he's, I agree, he's, he's and it's our fault. I think it's our fault. What do you? What would you say he is on tour right now in putting average for this season? Putting um, average or strokes gained putting? Putting average. Thirty-two putts around. No, I'm talking ranking. Oh. Then we can get into putts per round as well. What do you guys think he's at? Good looking at him. 75th. I'm not looking at it. I'm not looking at it either. 98th. He's fifth? Fifth. In total putts per round? Putting average, he's fifth at 1.687 putts per hole. Oh, per, per, per hole or per green regulation? Per green and reg. I don't think this is green and reg. It's putting average. It's putting average on tour right now. He's fifth at 1.687 putts per hole. Per um, hole. So, yeah, that's that's per greens round. per reg. That's greens per reg. Is it greens per reg? Yeah. Well, because if you look guy at this, hits 80, guy hits eighty percent of bucking greens. That's pretty good. Um, then on the backside, he's fifty second in putts per round at twenty eight point eight seven putts. So he's averaging twenty nine putts per round. When you're hitting eighty percent of your greens and you can have sub thirty putts, you're gonna play well. Like I, here's the bad part. Here, here's the thing that I hate about this is that we as members of the media have put such a microscope on his putting that we forget how good the guy actually is at putting. He is hitting more greens than anyone else on tour, which means he has an opportunity for more putts than anyone else on tour. Um, 
it, it's not that bad. Like we're we're so we're I, making it we're making it worse out than it really is. I don't know if we are though. I mean, so it's one twenty-eight strokes gain. Take take the stats away. Take the strokes oh, gain away. Oh. Take the good ones. Take the bad ones away. When you watch him, the eye test, it's not good. He's missing. He's three putting from nine feet. He's missing three footers. He's not even hitting the hole sometimes from five feet. Like the eye test looks bad too. I get it. I get it. It's really good at the bank though. Like, I, I get that, bad. but he's the number one player in the world. And we're talking about who could be historically good if he could just putt half decent. Yeah. I would say putting average being fifth is half decent. I think that that the putts per green regulation. I I understand where you're going with that. But he bats that. He he gets a lot of par fives that he chips the ball up to you know and you know tap in length. So obviously, I think it's a little skewed. I mean, if you there's no there's no way you can be a great putter and be putts per green regulation, and then you're 121st and strokes gain putting and like that. There's a disconnect between those two. Maybe he's not as bad as 121, but he's probably not as good as as fifth. If, um, if you're hitting it to 50 feet on every hole, then yeah, 1.6 is good. But when you hit it to 10 feet on every hole, 1.6 is not good. Well, one butt percentage, he's 38. I mean, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying, I'm I'm just starting to look at this stuff. I don't think it's as bad as we think it is. It's starting to affect him, like Jay was saying a few minutes ago. It, We're making it affect him, though. Everyone, everyone's talking about it. That's the problem with it. That's the problem with it. He's putting more pressure on himself because of how much we talk about it. Yeah, I think he knows, too. He's not good at it, and it's starting to piss him off. <laughs> he's not that bad at it. He's not that bad at it. If he play, if we played with us three, he'd be the best putter in the group. Oh, no question. He'd be. I mean, he would. I mean, granted, one there'd be zero pressure <laughs> unless <laughs> unless we unless we make him a plus eight. Which if he plays with us, that's what I'm going to make him according to the handicap. Well, yeah, I'll I'll help. he's given sixteen he, shots. Then he's given me he's given me six shots around. John John Rom carries a handicap, and Max Unless, Homa carry handicaps. What what are their handicaps? Hold you you keep the conversation going about Scotty. I'll look him up. Uh, I just think so. Stupid. This is one of the things that my dad always struggled with because he was known as Doctor Doom on tour because of his putting, but he was one of the greens and regulation leaders on tour, and he all he wanted to do was have sub thirty putts, and if he had sub thirty putts, he shot sixty eight or below every time, and. Like I remember times when I was a kid and he'd come up, he was so mad. He'd he would literally have more putts than he had uh strikes of the golf ball and he'd shoot 70 or 71. Yeah. And he'd be madder than shit. And it's one of those <laughs> things where I look back. So like I'm very familiar with how this looks like. Not not on Scotty's level, not on Scotty's level, but just you know, how my dad thought about it. And it was one of those things like when I found the belly putter and I got smarter and I, I started bell. I wish anything that could have been there with dad to help him work through some of this. Cause I think now with my knowledge of how this works, that I could have helped him big time on the backside of this, just to understand what his putting looks like and how it could, how it could be better, how things that we could do to, to change it up because he did everything on his own. He never really had a coach. He never had a coach, never worked with anyone. He did everything on his own. Uh, and I just wish to God that I could have you know helped him through some of this. But when I look back at this on a much higher level, I look at Scotty, I look at some of his stats and I assimilate this to some of what I grew up with. And it's like, you have to understand 
when you're hitting 16 greens around sure. 30 putts is 68. Like oh, it, yeah. it, it is. Yeah, almost you're, right. Down you're right. I mean, there's no question. He's doing that. I mean, he, he's, he's averaging 60. What is his scoring average is 68 point something or 69. His so, I mean, scoring average is he's doing that. And I actual think 67.32. There you go. So, I mean, he's really good. He's really good, by the way. That's 20. It's really good. Yeah. But but it's a detriment. It's a, it's attributed to him hitting every par five and two. Um, You know, granted, if there's a drivable par four, he's up there chipping in. And if he's, if he's got five wedges in a round, he's hitting two or three within six feet and he makes one of those. I mean, he's in like three times this past week. So, you know, it's not that he, it's just we're if he if he were putting just as even remotely close to the middle of the pack, which some people just don't don't have it. But if he were doing that and with the how well he's striking the ball, we would see, like Mike said, we would see, you know, historic wins by this guy. Like he the ball, if you go back and look at the stats and we could probably dive into this, we don't need to. But if you go look back at this, the stats and how well Tiger Played 99 to 2002, not just from, I mean, T to green, you know, drove the ball. He was hitting the ball in play 65 to 70% of the time in the fairway, hitting 70 plus percent of his greens. And, and one of the best putters on tour, it was like, how are you going to beat that guy? And he hit it further than everybody. So, and Scotty's doing all of those except for the putting portion of it. I mean, he drives it really straight for the, as long as he hits it. Incredible, incredible iron play, almost better than Tiger, which is mind blowing. Very similar short game, but he just doesn't make those short putts. And I, I would say even the the lag putting is is fine. Like, I mean, he's not too terribly bad with the with the the speed control. I mean, I it's like just better it's, from like forty feet speed control than he is from like yeah. ten feet. The short the butts inside of ten feet are the ones that just that just he just. Well, I mean, so here's. Out. I mean, again, you can use stats to say whatever you want, right? So here's some stats. Putting from three feet on tour, 138th. Putting from four feet, 143rd. Putting from uh, four to eight feet, he's 95th. Putting inside of 10 feet, he's 157th. Putting for, the funny part is putting from seven and eight feet, 23rd and 25th. <laughs> from seven and eight feet? Yeah, he's better That's than weird. he is inside the other staff. Well, well it's like that, Spieth, who was better putting from longer distance than he was short. And 20 the feet. fact that Jordan Spieth, being one of the best putters on the planet, still looks at the hole when he puts those short putts is just mind-boggling to me. Like, what is going on in his mental psyche that he feels like he needs to look at the hole to hit those putts? I'm done. The thing is, he doesn't do it all the time, though. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. It's That's also weird, Mike. I know. Oh, it's definitely weird. That's what Odd. makes it even more weird. It's, it's just that. Like, yeah. Uh, side note here: uh, Whisper Rock in Arizona. They must make these guys keep handicaps. Max Homa is a plus eight point six. John <laughs> Rom John Rom is a plus nine point five. If he played, if I played John Rom at the Green Tees at the Foundry, he would have to give me eleven strokes. <laughs> you you've got to admit that something's not right with that. That's ridiculous. Well, that's, the, that's well, not right. I mean, 11, you get 11 strokes, you're a scratch golfer, and he's got to shoot 61 to break even with you. That's that. That's yeah, not right. He might, he might do it easily. The problem is that. So 
the problem is that I don't care how good you are. You're not going out shooting 61 every time you go out there. No, I don't disagree with that. But yeah, my dad also kept a handicap and I'm not trying to keep bringing him up throughout this podcast, but he kept a handicap. And the problem is that all of their scores similar to his are all tournament scores. So they're weighted heavily. So they look at what they shoot in tournaments and they put it in as a tournament score. And it's it's also because the, the rating and the slopes are so high. So like I'm looking at Max Homa's scores here. Or sorry, I look at John Rahm's scores. Um, like there's one, he hasn't posted a score in a while. John, we got a little handicap audit going on here. You need to start posting some scores. It's been a while since he posted one. Um, there's one, he shot a 71 on a rating of 77. Right? So that's that's almost a plus five index right there. Just from that one. Oh, you shot one under par. But the rating on the golf course was 77, which they're saying a scratch golfer would shoot 77 on that course. So yeah. in relation to par, it's only one under. But a scratch would shoot. If I played them there, I would expect it to shoot 77, not even par as a scratch golfer. Yeah. At, with that course. But yeah, that I mean. Course. But that's what know. most of these courses I, that these guys play on a daily basis. They're playing at 7,600. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And they're playing the absolute right foot in the rough in tour conditions, which. I will say also should be a factor that's not being computed because ultimately there's a difference between playing that golf course with your buddies on a Tuesday afternoon versus playing it in a tour event on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So he really should be like a plus 13. So John, if you come up to the foundry, I'll just, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll take six aside, John six. They they need to start. I mean, there's gotta be some type of average to how many times they've shot that, that number. If you want to, if you're saying I'm a, plus 11 how many times have i shot 11 under par like and there's gotta there's gotta be some cutoff where there's gotta be some law of average well it's not 11 under par it's it's 11 under the rating of that course you're playing but to uh, again to another scratch golfer who should be shooting even par you know it's 11 shots better i mean the 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 it, it once you get to single digits and plus it's different than your 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 handicapped golfer. It's still not – it's it's as good as we've gotten it. I understand that. But it's still not quite accurate. I think the the better golfer gets gets kind of screwed in this in this setup. It's, when, it's, when it's, only going, it's only going off the scores you actually shoot. No, I, I understand that. Of course it is. I mean, what else would it go off of? But so uh, Obviously, I'm, that player can do that but, if they've done it. But if no, because my you're saying my handy my my handicap is a plus four, and I have I haven't shot four under par, and I don't know the last ten rounds, but apparently my potential is that I can shoot four under. Yeah, and I'm like, but how many times have I shot four under in the last twenty rounds? Way less for, than it's, I've it's shot it's higher the same than for that. A ten handicap. What's what's the percentage? But it's a lot it's easier for us. The same percentage for that ten handicap to shoot ten over as it is for you to shoot ten under. Or four under, excuse me. But it's a lot easier for that ten handicap to increase or do it, it do better than his handicap by four, five, six shots than it is for me to go four, five, or six six shots better than a plus four. I can't shoot ten under par. I've only done it ten times in my life, but I, I can take a, a ten handicap that can beat his handicap by four or five shots every other round, and it's real easy. It's a no, lot easier no. for them. To, 
it's a lot more it's a lot easier for a 10 handicap to 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 better their 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 score by five to six shots than it is for me to better my plus four handicap by five to six shots it that's it that's is the, uh, that's the hang up uh, it is but not as much as you think it's not as easy as you think but it's a lot i think it's a lot more so it's i actually a lot have more. i have a chart here i have data i might okay. forget where this data came from but i so for so a, we don't know where the data came from, but you're going to give it to me. I, I want to say it was Lou Stagner, the the stat guy. I forget where okay. I saved this from on Twitter, but I want to say it was Lou Stagner on on Twitter, who's uh, a great stat guy. So he has a handicap chart here. From if you're a uh, zero to five handicap to shoot four below your handicap. It's one in 151 rounds to shoot four below your handicap, not to shoot your handicap, but to shoot four below your handicap is one in 151 times for a six to 12 handicap to shoot four below. It's one in 121 times. So, yes, it is a little bit easier, but it's not drastically easier. But what is it to, for a what is it for a plus? And you don't four see handicap? you don't see any separation until about three or four. Oh, he does. He doesn't have plus handicaps. He just has it, zero. This goes to zero. This chart. exactly. So that's that's again my point that no one keeps any stats on the plus four, plus two, plus three handicap. For me to shoot four shots below my plus four handicap, it's got to be one in a uh, five hundred rounds. I mean, I haven't shot sixty. Yeah, I, I haven't shot sixty four. I can't remember the last time, and I've played three hundred rounds in the last three years. When was that? You shot sixty four on your birthday in November. It was a bogey-free 64 in 42 okay. degrees and rain. Okay. And and that, and that, when did I do it before that? I can't remember. Like I don't know, but I have a couple scorecards sitting right in front of me, you, like 66 you can and look 67 at them. You from did. Michigan. You can look at them. But to shoot four shots below. is my, lower, my low score. I'm only not Exactly. But it just I think it happens much less when you when you get to scratch and, and plus handicap to shoot, to deviate from that. To deviate from that handicap is it, it's the odds of that okay. having a very I'll, slim. The, I'll, I'll go on the other side then. I'll go on the other side then. It's way easier for that ten handicap to shoot ten over their handicap than it is to shoot for you to shoot four over your handicap. Your 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 dispersion of your scores is way tighter than that ten handicap. Sure, and that's fine. I just think they're erroring. They error towards the the lower number too much, in my opinion. It's 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 weighted too heavily on your best score, not on your average score. Yes, it is. It is. We are going to shoot more of the same numbers. But to your point exactly, I'm not going to shoot 64 very often when I play, hardly ever, and I probably won't shoot 78. But, yeah, but that's it's always going to be right there. 95 sometime. But I will. But yeah, sometime. But the the odds of them more coming often, out and blowing me out of the water in, more often than you shoot in 74, they're going to shoot 95. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's a lot easier to go the other way. I mean, granted, we can get some data and look at that, but I, I, I still think it's. I think it's skewed too much to your your best possible round ever, and that's your and that's your handicap, your handicap index. Not your best possible round ever. It's the 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 lowest the, eight of your last twenty rounds. Yeah. Either way, the lowest eight of your last twenty rounds. That's where you get your number. Yes. There, there you go. And and that can be it. You can do that. You cannot go any lower than that. 
and I can shoot 68 eight times and not go any lower, which is very possible because once you get to a certain point, you can't, it's hard to go much lower. So I can shoot that, but I, that's my score. That's what I've got to do every time. That's my best. I shoot eight rounds out of 20. I shoot 68. I don't go below that. And now that's, that's where I have to live. And now I've got to play a guy who can easily come out who's a plus or as a four who can easily come out and shoot one under, and I'm going to get waxed well, what if, if I have an average What if day. that guy, what if that four shoots 70, he has eight scores of 76. It's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, again, the, 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 the law of average is going to say, yes, he can shoot his number and I can shoot my number, but the odds of me shooting below that number, I'm never going to get any better than that. So uh, the, the odds are stacked against the low to plus handicap in the system that we have. Say, I'm just Smiley, saying, Matt Smiley, are you listening? VSGA, Matt Smiley, we're going to get you on here <laughs> talking about this. I'd love, he knows, I'd love he knows Matt way more here. than both of us. We're going to get he, Matt Smiley def- on here. He definitely does know way more than both of us when it comes to that. But I would love to hear his opinion on it because I, I do feel it's, it's, it, and you obviously have already said that, but I do feel it's, it's, it's weighted too heavily on your best round for the, the, the low handicap to scratch golfer. It gets tougher and tougher. And then you, on top of that, you get, you get in the match play format when I feel like people are like, well, I'm an eight and you're you're a two. Okay, you give me eight and you give me two and we're playing match play. I'm like, nah, it's not quite the same because you made your eight handicap came from three doubles and uh, two pars and no birdies. Uh, okay, that's five holes where my two handicap came from uh, three three bogeys and one birdie. You know, so... Yeah, that's just tough fight. to judge because there's a lot of different ways to be an eight. There's a lot of different ways to be a two. There's a lot of different um, styles of player that can have the same handicap. Yeah, no no question. But I, the majority of players who have a handicap above five, they come from multiple doubles. So if you're doing match play, it's not the score over par. It's the holes over par. So you can't give the full handicap to somebody who's a eight nine who relies on their handicap or getting to their handicap with three doubles because that's essentially just one hole. You know what? Uh, you just spurred me. We're going to get Matt Smiley on if you're listening, not just for this, but I think I think a handicap discussion is would be great for a lot of our listeners on how are the numbers calculated, what's a slope rating, what's a rating, what's a handicap differential. All these different factors. We're going to do some education for ourselves. And Matt, let's go, Matt. If you're listening, let's get you on. Matt's Matt's rolling his eyes and changing his <laughs> phone number as we speak. <laughs> delete, delete, block Mike, block Jay. <laughs> so, all right, two more topics before we get to our picks. Um, Tiger. Anything on Tiger? I, I don't know what to say, man. It's just fucking frustrating. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> WDs. I, I mean, I, I want to be, I want to, I love Tiger. I love watching him. I think that's probably why I'm so frustrated because I, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me. I, I honestly, I was going to pull him up earlier today and I decided not to do it because I don't even want to know what this number is. But if you go back and look at the number of withdrawals that Tiger had from 1996 to 2009 before shit hit the fan, and I would say that you had very, very few, if any. Uh, and then you look at the number of WDs after that, and they're extent they're extensive. And I, I, yes, he was hurt a lot. You know, I, I get it. Um, so a lot of which is uh, is validated and warranted, but it just seems ironic how. 
when things were not going well, then it was like, okay, LWD. And then when things were tight and you're still in the mix, you find a way to get it done. I don't know. It's just frustrating. And this week, obviously, it sounds like he had the flu. I mean, granted, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't blame him. I mean, if you're, you've got the flu and you're not in contention, I guess I get it. Um, yeah. And it sounds like, like we said earlier, it sounds like it was going around a lot. I, yeah. I changed my tune a little bit once I heard some of the more details. At first, I was kind of like you, like, what the fuck, dude? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I guess they said like on the fifth hole, he like, he hit a putt, marked it, then ran over to the porta potty while the guys were still on the green before he had finished the hole, then comes back, finishes the hole, then he went back to the porta potty yeah. before hitting his tee shot on six. Uh, and so, well, I, I, you know, to your point, like, I, I if, if that's the case, yes, I mean, you feel for him because nobody wants to be on the golf course and feel like that. I mean, that's the worst. But similar to what you were saying with Patrick Cantlay, it gets to a point where it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt because it happens so often. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. okay, it's like the the boy c- cries wolf. Like, I, I don't know if you really hurt or if you really, if it's just an excuse to get out of the tournament. You know, I, I don't know. It's just, it. I think... In the end of the day, I think you're just frustrated because you play. If you like golf, you play golf, and and if you're if you've watched golf for the last thirty years, whether you like Tiger or don't like him, personally, you still want him to play, and you want to watch. You want to watch greatness. Everybody is attracted to greatness, and they want to. You may not like Michael Jordan, you may not like LeBron James, but whatever reason, you want to watch him because you know that you're watching the best, the best in the game. Um, same thing with Tom Brady, you know, people hate Tom Brady, but like the guy's incredible. Like I want to see what he can do next. And that's, I think that's where we are with Tiger. I think that's where the frustration lies. You're like, ah, I just want to see you play four freaking rounds. Can you just finish the tournament? You know, that's all I want to just want to see you through the weekend. I don't even care if you finish 40th, just finish. And I think that's, um, that's a frustration for me. That's all. McLean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that there's a lot of speculation there to see what's behind him, where it's coming from. Um, he wants to compete. You know, he, he wants to be out there with those guys, and we don't know what his mental psyche looks like. Um, But again, I just, I think it's one of those things to where, as I mentioned last week, is he able to physically endure 72 holes walking? I don't know that he is. Um, yeah, it, it obviously didn't look like it this week based off of what we saw his, his cadence walking during, uh, before round two was very different. And I mean, even during round one, watch, watching him walk down the hill on one yeah, was was tough. I mean, you could tell, you know, he's got to favor that leg. I'm just not sure he has the ability to walk 72 holes and it looked like it caught up with him. He may have been ill. I'm not saying he wasn't ill. I have no clue. I'm not in that inner circle to speculate on what exactly happened or where exactly he was, but you know, it's, it's, it sucks. We all want to see him play well. We all want to see him play. We want to see him be a part of the PGA Tour. Yeah. We want to see him be back in the spotlight of golf. On what it what it looks like, we don't know. I mean, I'd I'd rather see him out there shooting, you know, 
making the cut and finishing 50th than I would yeah. see him not be a part of an event. I mean, the yeah. guy is the needle and having him out there, it benefits every one of us, everyone who's a golfer. So we'll see what it looks like long-term. We'll see what it looks like in the next couple of events. My hopes are that he's able to finish more events and he's able to do it. I just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of speculation to be, to look at if, is he able to walk 72 holes and nothing negative against yeah. him. I love the guy. I just hope he's physically able to endure a 72 hole walk of a golf course. So the one thing I'll say is I'm not sure he's ever going to walk normal. And I think part of that is how mangled his leg is and was mm -hmm. in the surgeries. And I think his gait is always going to be a little off and different than it ever was. Not the It's different if there's pain, right? You see people with leg injuries and they just have a limp constantly, right? They might not be in pain, but I don't know if we'll ever see him walk like he did before. It's more of a pain thing. Can he do it for 72 holes? And so, Jay, I just did a That's real right. fast. I, I couldn't get all the way down. The site that I was on didn't go past 2002. But my quick count while you guys were talking. Since 2010, so post pitching wedge in the tooth, uh, <laughs> 10 withdraws. 10 withdrawals. And what I could find previous to that one. One. I mean, you it, it wouldn't be very many withdrawals if you were going to keep that cut streak alive. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't think there are any before 2002. Probably not, no. So, I don't know. It just, it just seems strange and convenient, but... Um, you speaking, speaking of, um, you were talking about moving the needle or tiger is the needle. And there was one player this week who moved the needle, who did not compete on the weekend. I know you're probably going to get to this at some point, Mikey, but what do you, what are your thoughts Jordan? on Jordan Spieth? So as everyone knows, Jordan Spieth made the cut Friday, signs an incorrect scorecard at a three on the. I think it was marked down on the scorecard. Tom Ken marked down a three on the, I think it was the part four or the part three, fourth hole. And he actually made a bogey, missed a short putt, go figure. And signed an incorrect scorecard by the rules of golf, incorrect scorecard. You are disqualified. So I really want your takes on this. I'm, I'm, I find myself in the middle. I can't decide which, where I go. There's a lot of discussion in the world of golf. Is this, the right penalty is it fair is should the pga tour players even be what are we doing i mean they have markers out there it's on tv there's shot length there's cameras everywhere should they even be having to sign their own scorecards and you know do it so this is where i fall i fall that the players do need to keep their own score they do need to attest and sign for their score but i believe the I don't want to completely abandon it and say, you guys don't have to keep your score. We have these walking volunteers, rules officials, shot link, whatever. Um, I think there's something to keeping a scorecard, signing it, and golf's not like other sport. There's a million balls going in a million places all over the course. There's weird rulings all over the place in the woods, and I think there's a, just a little check. We don't want to keep volunteers in charge of the scoring of a PJ yeah. Tour event. So I do think they need to keep a, a scorecard. They do need to sign it and attest it in some form or fashion. 
I don't know if a disqualification merits the um, the penalty, though. Yeah, I think I agree, hundred percent. I don't think the punishment the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And and, and a perfect example is Rory a couple of weeks ago taking an illegal drop and not and and no one telling him this until after the round, and he takes takes on a two shot penalty for taking an illegal drop. Um, again, the, the, the reason for keeping your own score is to make sure that it's honorable and, and no one cheats or tries to cheat the system. But again, like you mentioned, we've got so many other checks and balances. The purpose of keeping the score now is a formality because it's just the rules of golf and it's just etiquette. It's really what it comes down to. Um, so if somehow someone makes one mistake... Um, and just overlooks a number when they're signing their scorecard, similar to somebody overlooking or not remembering the rules during the course of play, and they only get a two-stroke penalty, why would a player who happens to make a mistake in the scorer's table after you know a frustrating round, whatever it may be, and Jordan Spieth's situation, walked in, was sick, had to go to the bathroom, came back, signed the card, didn't check it over thoroughly, when again, this blows my mind because when you sit down at the scores table, every player will sit down with the score and read the scores back off to the score, and they read them back off to them, and they check it off hole by hole. So I, apparently, Jordan, being in the situation that he was in, having to go to the bathroom back and forth, he didn't do that and just signed it, turned it in, and it was off. But back to our point, like I just don't feel like the punishment fits the crime again i think it should be a two-shot penalty uh for signing an incorrect card missing a hole here's your two shots keep playing if you make the cut keep playing if not you know that's 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 a penalty and it's and it can two shots is a lot mm-hmm. um and i feel like that's enough to say hey you didn't pay attention uh similar to somebody on the golf course you took an illegal drop you should know the rules here's your penalty and let's move forward but the disqualification, I think, is outdated. I think it's 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 in the past. Uh, I think we need to move on and and come up with something that's a little bit more relevant and and current. So where I look at this is that if you take an illegal drop, it's different. That's different. Let's let's remove that from this current line of questioning. Um, I disagree. But go ahead and give me your give, give your example. Yeah, I, I want to hear it. A legal drop should be penalized exactly the way you think it should be, Jay. And I totally agree with that. Let me let me preface it that way. Maybe you, you will look different upon your immediate disagreement. Um, an illegal drop should be penalized the way an illegal drop should be penalized. No issues with that whatsoever. Where I look at this is to say that with all the data that we have currently, everything is tracked. We have walking scores. If a player submits a card, and I think the cards before they sign should be submitted to the scorer, and they roll through, say, Jordan, hey, we've got you down here for a four on 12. You may, and I don't know what hole it was, but you say, hey, we had you down here for a four on 12. It's written down as a three as Tom wrote it down. Are you sure you made a three or was it a four? Because we showed a four. And he goes, oh, guys, I'm sorry. You're right. I did make a four. Let's change it. And then have them submit the card because with all the data that we have, it's on that computer in front of that score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, all right there. It's all tracked. Justin, our score has you down for a four. It looks like from what we can tell that you made a four. 
are you sure you made a three? Because the way I look at this is that, sorry, I said, Justin, I meant Jordan. Yeah. But say, Jordan, you made a four. We show that you made a four. Are you sure you made a three? Then it's different because then that's a malice. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then there's some malice involved in that from where Jordan's sitting. I feel like a lot of times you, and, and Jay, you and I can both comment on this. We take the player that has our scorecard, especially if we're not happy about it. There's a lot of times where we've, we basically looked at it very quickly, sign that scorecard and thrown it in and you walk away. You're mad. You're not happy. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened in this situation. I'm just saying it happens. We take the player at his, at his, thoughts some of us are better at keeping our own score than others some of us are better at remembering exactly what happened on certain holes than others um but the way i look at it is that if a player walks into a score uh, the scoring table with the amount of data that we collect at this point there should be a score that sits there with his hole by hole based off of what the score in the group and what shot link has provided him and look at that versus the scorecard but even before the player signs it and says Hey, Jordan, uh, we show you made a four on 12. It says here you're written down for a three. Do we want to talk about this? Was what what score do you feel like you made on this hole? Yeah. And no, that I, point, I, he goes, I, Oh my God, guys, you are right. I did make a four. Let's please change that. And then let's sign our scorecards and move on. But that, he should that's not be still, the That's still all the same thing of of verifying there's there's things in place. I just don't want to one, there's there's like events that have multiple courses. We don't have shot like on all the courses. It's really yeah, think just about, the, the prime one. Think about corn ferry or amateur tournaments, yeah. you know, top, and, they and don't have I've I've seen some of these walking volunteers. They're just volunteers, scorers. So are we really putting faith in, in them as well? No offense to them. And there's a lot of weird rules. They might think a guy got a free drop and it wasn't a free drop, or he thought it was a but that's where the, it was a free drop but that's there, where there's the got to be some form place. of that's yeah there's got to be some form of that and there is some of that already to an extent it just become i i there has to be some sort of a test from the player no and i, I agree with that but that's where yeah. it goes back to say jordan goes no i did make a three your walking score got it wrong no i did make a three your walking score got it wrong. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a bad same, same but, process. So, Jordan, Jordan just fucked up, and he admitted to it. He goes, "I, I just, I just messed up." Like, yeah, exactly. Stuff. But he shouldn't have been disqualified for the event. And I don't know necessarily yeah. he should be penalized for it. I think this is something that we need to look at the, um, the events that happen inside the scores table. What happens inside at the scores tent to say, "All right, how can we improve this?" Because we just lost one of our best players of the event over a technicality, and. I don't think any of the three of us would say that Jordan was trying to cheat, which is yeah. why this rule is in place. This rule yeah. is in place historically to prevent someone from cheating and altering their card. There was no eraser in this situation. Like there was no eraser no. marks on that scorecard from where Jordan went back in and wrote down a three versus a four. So he could gain a shot on the field. That's not what happened. That's where I agree with Jay to say that the punishment does not fit the crime. And that's where I look back and say, all right, with all the data that we currently have, can we not go back and say, Hey, Jordan, we have a little bit of an issue here on this hole. Our walking score has you at a four. Um, Tom wrote you down as a three because the worst part about this, the worst part about this is that Tom Kim recorded his score incorrectly and was not punished. Now, is it Jordan's responsibility to go over that card? Yes, absolutely. It is Jordan's responsibility to go over that card. But on the backside of that, Jordan didn't make the mistake to a certain extent. 
Tom Kim made the mistake in writing down. I, the report. I agree with you in, in a, in a sense there. Cause it's, it's again, I know it's the player's responsibility to, to sign and attest their own card, but, but someone else is keeping your card for you. And if they keep it incorrectly, it's almost like they, they, they need to sit together and verify like, Hey, I've got you for these holes, you know, and if they both have to agree on it, it's something along those lines, because it's like, wait, why, why are you having somebody else keep the card? They can write whatever they want. And now you're sitting there for 45 minutes going back through every single hole. Like, Nope, I didn't get this. I didn't get this. I mean, and you've played, you guys have played enough tournaments. If you, if you get somebody that didn't get your, your hole score, right. Like two or three holes, you're, you're almost, you're pissed. I'm like, Hey dude, you you put me down for a, a three on on three holes where I made a four. Were you even paying attention? Were you trying to get me to I've, screw up? You know, and, and part of I mean, I've had that conversation before. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, and dude, look, I play with all, you all day, and, and you I've put down, me down for a three on three holes, and you know that I made a four. Like we uh, like change this, change this, change this. I mean, it gets it gets irritating, and there, there's there are guys who, I hate to say that, there are guys who do that, and and. Not to say Tom Kim did that on purpose, but there are guys who will oh, who will yeah. put the I'm wrong score down and say, "Hey, are you gonna are you gonna switch it? Let me test you." And if you turn it in, up, oh, I got you. You're disqualified. I mean, there, there are well, some. It sounds. Well, it, or, you, or you get the guy who's like, "Hey, would you, would you make the last six holes? Like, yeah, filled, filled it out for like half the yeah, round. Exactly. And we all know the caddies for the most part for in a lot of players groups are taking care of these scores. Uh, but Jay, Mike, we all know. You rip off the perforated version and you compare it next to the version that's on the actual card. And all I'm saying is that's an archaic method with the amount of data that we collect at this point. All I'm saying is that he has a score. It should be submitted to the scorers table before a player sign and matched up versus what we have on ShotLink and all the data that we currently have. And then go back and say, hey, we have a little bit of a discrepancy here on 12. Yeah, I, I especially on the PJ Tour. You can do it on the PJ Tour too because much, you have scores. too much involved. There's too much money at stake to let little factors like this. Luckily, Jordan is very financially sound. Imagine if this happened to a guy. This is his breakthrough event, and a player no. miscalculated his score. And he's so he's so overcome with jubilee that he's even in contention. He's like, oh man, I'm 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 here. This is the first time I've ever been here. Yeah, sign my card. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't wait to go talk to my family. This is so cool. And all of a sudden, he gets DQ'd for something. It's like. Man, I, I wasn't trying to do that. I, I wasn't trying to pick up a stroke on the field. I wasn't trying to cheat. And all of a sudden, I'm DQ'd. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. Do I think there needs to be some responsibility on the players? Absolutely. I'm sure. not saying it doesn't. I'm not, try, I'm not trying to negate that. But on the backside of that, I just don't feel like this process is as um, technologically sound as it should be with all the data that we are currently collecting on the PGA Tour. Yeah. I think I think we're all in agreement here yeah. that that rule needs to change and and they they need to come up with a better a better system, especially for the PGA Tour. They've got to McLean's point. They've got too many they've got too many tools there to make sure they get the score right. I mean, the whole point of of keeping your own score or having someone else keep your score and you validate and sign your own score is to, is score is to make sure that you get the correct score. The the goal is not to disqualify someone. Like, like we're not trying to catch somebody and in, in the event, uh, you know, of, of trying to be slight and and sleight of hand and and cheat. The goal is to just get the score right. So get the score right. So if we have to have somebody else that checks it and says, "Hey, 
you had the wrong score here. This is what we have this, we have this, we have this. Let's correct it. Okay, we've already looked over this. This matches up with we have. And then you sign it. If if then after that fact, you still go back and switch a number or change it, then yeah, there's repercussions for that. Um, that's different. But um, you know, back to to the main point, I don't fit the, I don't feel like the punishment fits the crime now. I think it's outdated. It needs to be changed. Again, I don't know if that's one shot, one shot, two shots, three shots, whatever. Uh, disqualification doesn't doesn't match up. There's too many other egregious acts that guys do during a round of golf. I mean, we've seen Patrick Reed, you know, blatantly do some things that that were definitely against the rules and not disqualified, you know, in, in any sense of the word. And then we've got guys who make a very small, simple mistake of just sure. a clerical error of not adding correctly. And, oh, I'm out of the tournament. Wow. Did, did I gain an advantage, you know, by doing that? You know, just doesn't match. Doesn't match. So, yeah. I think I think it's going to I think it's going to change. I think it's going to change. Twenty twenty five. I think it's going to I think it's going to change. All three of us in agreement. No drama. Although, did you catch it earlier? Halfway through McLean's little rant, there he said, "I agree with Jay, even though I had the same point as Jay." You just can't get yourself to say you agree with Mike. You just. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't feel right. It's just hard to Doesn't say. Feel right. Doesn't feel right. <laughs> All right. Let's um God. Let's get to the Mexico Open at Fedanta. Just man, what a field. What a week. <laughs> um the only cool thing about this week and i'll say this for our listeners if they want to watch you're going to get to know some guys you've never heard of which is always a good thing you're going to see some names and some players and some swings and some games you're not familiar with and that's a good thing two you could also potentially see a life-changing event for someone which is also cool so um i did my picks in about four minutes (laughs) i'm gonna go i'm gonna go real fast just because i did very little research I had a very busy day and just didn't quite have time, and I don't know half the field. So, <laughs> um, here we go. Starting at the bottom, Parker Cootie. Yes, he's going to break out at some point. Was a stud, and uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour and in college, sixty five hundred Parker Cootie. Then I'm going to go to uh, Johnny Vegas. Uh, I saw a website that picked him, so that's why I picked him. 7600. Then I go to uh, 8200. Michael Kim just been playing solid and I like his Twitter account. So that's why I picked him. Then I go up to one guy I was targeting actually ahead of time 8700. Jake Knapp. This is a bomber's golf course. Big, wide, just absolutely send it. So I like Jake Knapp. Then, um, 9,200. I'm going to butcher this name. Rio Hishitun. Japanese guy. Has been playing really well as of late. Like him at 9,200 because a website told me. And <laughs> 9,600. Uh, Taylor Pendrith. Another bomber can just wail away on this golf course. So there you go. Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll start it off here. Second. Hey, where, where, where are we at on the uh, on the numbers here? 
Before you go, Glenn. I didn't, I didn't have it. I know, Jay, you're excited because you won last week. Now you want to know. Yeah, Jay did win. That's why he wanted to. I do want to know. I do want to know where we stand. Yes, that's exactly matter, why. We don't, we don't pay anything for winning, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a, it's $10,000 for first place at the end of the year. Yeah, I couldn't even, couldn't even get a bottle of bourbon for winning last year. <laughs> um, uh, Jay, Jay now takes the lead over McLean. Yes. By two points, 22 to 20, and I'm way back there. Way back. Um, 12, 12 points. McLean, are you going or you want me to go? I'll go. I'll go. Now that I'm in second place, I should go second. <laughs> um, all right. Starting from the top, Jay's favorite human, Tony Finau. Wow. Took the big dog. <laughs> his stroke average here is 64.93 over the past six rounds. Like it's kind of hard not to not to like that. There's not one single player in the field that's beaten him in this event. Yeah. So right. going back to the bottom, shouldn't be on the bottom, but he is this week. Ryan I'm taking, Nope. I'm taking Porky. Oh. Taking Oop. Porky. Roberto Diaz. I wow. got him. I looked at Bobby Diaz. <laughs> you got to take Bobby D, baby. You got to take Porky. The guy's He's in his home state. Home, his home country, I mean. Home country. Um, former PGA Tour player. Currently doing well in the um, Corn Ferry Tour. Just missed out on getting his card back this year. Uh, I'm taking my buddy Bobby D. Absolutely love that guy. Um, pound for pound. One of the best golfers on the planet. Um, Going to move up from him. I'm going uh, Bobby McIntyre, 7,000. I just think he's going to sneak up on some guys. The guy was former Ryder Cupper. He's at 7,000. I mean, you got got to like that. Um, up from there, I'm taking Snaps McGee, Mr. Chesson Hadley. Oh, God, you 7, love that guy. I do love that guy. I used to play golf with him. He's a good dude. Um, 8,000, Austin Eckrote. 9,900, Sea Island boy, Keith Mitchell. Nice. That's my squad. I'm sticking to it. Almost had uh almost had Keith in the in this one as well. There's a couple good names that you guys have mentioned, some of which are overlapping, but I'll uh I'll start from the bottom. Uh sixty one hundred bucks, Mr. Lonto Griffin. He he's played some pretty solid golf. I know nothing spectacular, but at that price point, I think it's uh it's pretty good. He shot seventy six. The first round of the waste management, then followed up with a 69, the round two. So and he's long enough uh that he can he can play any golf course and and he's he's hungry. He wants to play well. He needs to play well with this this medical exemption. So at sixty one hundred, if he makes the cut, that's a win, in my opinion. Um, then I jump up. There's a lot of not a lot of mid-range guys here. Uh I go up to Carson Young. This guy's been playing some really consistent golf. Um, the last five or six, seven events. So uh, good scores. I haven't really seen any really high scores out of him. Um, he shot 76 at the Farmers in the in the final round, but still finished 56. So 7,400 bucks, Carson Young. Um, jump up to 7,900, Mr. Se-Young Kim. He's he's played some good golf, 28th, 31st, 50th, um, you know, 30th at the Sony. Solid golf at, at that price point. Again, we're we're, we're kind of really stretching for, like you said, Mike, some of these names that we haven't seen before. Um, uh, then I jump up to uh, Mr. Brandon Wu, who has played some incredible golf on this golf course. Uh, 
9,100 bucks. He finished, he's finished top five of the last, last two years he's played in this. Um, hadn't done really much outside of that, but apparently he really likes this golf course. Um, and then jumping up, Taylor Pendrith, su- super long guy, good putter, 9,600 bucks. Uh, and then last but not least, I have a feeling this guy is ready to win. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this week. Um, but if it's not this week, it's going to be soon. Uh, Mr. Steven Yeager, the guy makes knew it. The, knew you were going to pick Yeager. The guy makes the guy makes cuts, and he makes putts, and he's just ready to roll. Um, so turn into Dr. Dre rhyming. Yeah, let's just rhyme it up. Um, Steven Yeager going to have a good week. You guys watch out for him. Again, I don't. I'm not predicting a win this week. He will win soon. Um, I do think he has a good week. This is one of those perfect weeks for a guy like Steven Yeager to make a ton of birdies. A lot guys typically go low here, and he is primed to do that. So, this is a this is a hard week to pick because it's a crapshoot. You you look at all these guys and you're like, yeah, he could finish top ten, yeah, or he could MC Hammer, yeah, easily. Like every almost everyone in this field except for Fino. Yeah, you would not be surprised at a at a miscut. Yeah, because they're just their games just not as consistent as the top guys in the world, which is why they are who they are. Um, so that's I, I went a different strategy. I need to win a week. I have not won a week yet. I need to get off. So I was like, you know what? I'm doing like very little research. I'm just winging this. Normally, I do a lot of research in Reach, and it hasn't been paying off. <laughs> Looking at data hasn't been paying off. So I was like, you know what? We're gonna do the complete opposite and see what happens. Yeah. Wing it. Wing it. I do like Jake Knapp. I'm going to call Jake Knapp the winner. Wow. You know what's funny? There's a lot of Steven Yeager, Jake Knapp bets for whatever reason I've read. Oh, really? Why they are paired up. But there, a lot of people are going back and forth between Knapp and Yeager. It must be a pretty evenly even match. Um, Yeager makes a ton of birdies, and Knapp is super long. Um Again, I've told that story. I mean, he was playing a Canadian tour, hitting. We used to do long drive competitions, and this was past my prime, so towards the end of my career, so I was not doing the long drive competition. But it was Nap, Pendrith, and Jamie Sedlowski that would do exhibitions before the start of the tournament. I mean, and obviously Jamie Sedlowski was two time long drive champion, not playing on the PJ tour. But then you have these other two guys who were beating him every other week and now here they are so yeah that says anything about how long these guys are i would, I would love it if jake knack was in con- contention and we get to watch him oh smash it smash he's, it and he's, he's got he's got great rhythm great balance in his golf swing too it doesn't look like he's it it doesn't look it, but he's fast. hammering it yeah so yeah so there you go uh mexico open at vedanta everyone's favorite <laughs> everyone's favorite all right gents that was a pleasure good conversation we all agree on something what a night what a night what a night anti-drama except we need to get the handicap system fixed but other than that it's great wow there's a lot of things we need to get fixed i'm not worried about the (laughs) handicap system i am worried about getting you a handicap because we're going to get you a handicap i mean you've already you've already dubbed me as a plus four which is impossible for me I'm pretty. That's pretty accurate. Bullshit. Exactly, McLean. Bullshit. I'm like a I'm like a even. Now, I'm no on the opposite way. side of that one, Jay. I'm on the opposite side of that one. 
love you. Normally we you played, and I align. We this played together long. last last spring. We played together. You saw what you what, what I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> yeah, and I shot like 85. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, that was a pleasure. We'll uh, we'll argue more about handicaps at some point. Cheers. Later. Later boys.